The views and opinions expressed in the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the producers, the affiliates, or digital platforms hosting this podcast. All content is for the purposes of education, conjecture, and at times entertainment. We promote inclusiveness and diversity. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Into the Deep with Jay Casta. Welcome to Into the Deep. I'm Jay Costa. I am ecstatic about today's guest. She literally takes trash, mostly plastics, and turns them into works of art. Today's guest is Stephanie Hongo. Stephanie, who works under the artistic pseudonym Sugar Fox, has been creating art from trash for half a decade. She's been featured in People Magazine and recently made a very special piece for Drew Carey himself. We talk about so many awesome things and I absolutely adored our conversation, so I just want to jump right in. So join me as we seek light and journey into the deep with Stephanie Hongo, otherwise known as Sugar Fox. Enjoy. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Well, I know who you are, but for those watching and those listening, would you mind sharing who you are and what it is you do, my friend? Uh, so my name is Stephanie Hongo. I am a trash sculptor. I work uh, online under the artist name Sugar Fox. Um, and like I said, I'm a trash sculptor, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, I, I make sculptures out of out of junk. Um, I primarily make animals. Um, that's really kind of no, for no other reason than I just really prefer to make animals. Um, and when I say trash, usually it's plastics. Um, I've done some work with like some thin metals and a couple of fabrics here and there and with what I, I do, but um, I need to be able to get a screw through it. So it really has to be a little bit, uh, a little bit more uh, friendly than hard metals. Like I don't do any welding and things like glass and all of that aren't really usable for me. Um, but yeah, like I, I basically just make sculptures from repurposed junk. That's awesome. And like, you've been doing this for a while too. This isn't just something you just picked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been about five years. I started in 2017. Um, at first it was basically just kind of for fun, but now it's my full-time gig. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, did you ever imagine that this is, this is the trajectory you'd be on doing this, making trash sculptures? No, no, not at all. I I kind of, I mean, I had hopes when I started doing it. I was like, wouldn't that be dope if that ended up being like my full-time uh, gig? But, you know, I just kind of thought that I would just, it would be a means to where I'm going next. Mm. And um, it just so happened that it was well-received and it was, um, you know, enough of a creative endeavor for me that I could really sink into it and really do a lot with it, which I think, um, you know, I hadn't really found with a lot of the art that I had done prior to that. So I think because I love it so much, it, it did allow me a lot of, I don't know, freedom 
to explore so many different facets of it and just kind of keep going with it and build upon it. And I think that when you're really excited about something, it, it makes other people excited about it too. hundred percent. You know, it's, there's yeah. something to be said about that kind of energy where it's just like, you know, when you're around people who are passionate about something, you, it, you can't help but feel that energy rub off on you and, and then yeah. just kind of manifest even more. So totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah it's great. What mediums were you working with before this? I got I to gotta ask. So I, gosh, I mean, pretty much for my whole life, as long as I can remember, I've been doing um, art in some form or another. Um, as a kid, I was always, you know, I've been using a glue gun since I was like, like I don't know, five years old, something like that. Um, you know, I had a craft box as a kid. Like, I really like just making things with my hands and doing art. Um, so pretty much anything that I could explore from drawing to painting to pottery, beading, all that kind of stuff was just, you know, just for fun though. Um, and then after I graduated college, I did major, um, actually in illustration in college, which is crazy. Cause after I graduated, I realized I don't actually enjoy drawing that much. <laughs> so oh, I want to do this. It was wacky. I don't know why I did that. It was such a waste of money. Um, but after I got out of college, I was like, okay, well, I at least want to do something creatively. Um, but I had no experience in graphic design and I was a little bit of a snob about it when I was in school. I was just like, Oh, graphic art is not real art. You know, it's in the fine arts all like, I don't know what was wrong with me. I, I wish I had this to do over. Honestly, if I had it to do over, I probably wouldn't have gone to college at all. But if I was going to get a degree, it would have been in graphic design, I think, because that's where all the jobs are. Um, but I digress. So I graduated from college and I wanted an, an art job. So basically that's in teaching for a lot of people. I find um, the artists that I know, if you, you know, can't find a job doing, you teach. So I did a lot of that. And then I finally uh, got a job at Trader Joe's and I absolutely loved it. I was a trade, um, a uh, sign artist for Trader Joe's. No kidding. I did their, yeah, I did their shelf tags. I did, you know, it's like, basically all their signage there's some mural work there's like all those produce bins that you see like the handwritten signs on it there's an artist in back of house for every Trader Joe's um so I did that for five years loved it loved it early on and then you know the job started to change the boss changed the company restructured and I was kind of no longer um, a sign artist anymore. I was working at a grocery store and making shelf tags occasionally. So I was starting to get really unhappy. And I decided I wanted to try to, you know, find another job. But like I said, it's a lot of graphic design out there if you're, if you want to be an artist. And I didn't know any of those programs. So I had tried to do a little bit of my own teaching on that. It kind of, I floundered a lot. I'm, you know, not really great with teaching myself those sorts of things. So uh, I decided all at once that I was just going to kind of leave and just try to be a freelance artist that I was going to maybe do like my own chalkboard designs, mm. painting, all different kinds of stuff, like whatever I could kind of uh, get together. And um, so I left without a, a job lined up and I was kind of like wallowing in, in like just failure and despair just like how am I going to make money I don't know what I'm going to do what was I thinking and I have thought do you know who Bordalo the second is Bordalo the second I'm so sorry no 
So he's an artist. Um, he's amazing. Um, okay. I'd been following him on Instagram for quite some time, him and a couple other trash sculptors. Like I'm nowhere near the first to do this. There's so many different people that do some version of trash sculpting. Mm. Um, and I remember looking at their work and specifically Bordalo's work and thinking, I know that I can do some version of this. Um, I just kind of need to be commissioned because the, the thing about his work is that it is this very large scale, um, you know, building faces of oh. just like these trash installations that are just absolutely mind blowingly gorgeous. And I was like, that would be so much fun to do, but you know, obviously you need someone to be like, Hey, can you please come put trash on the side of my building? You can't just be going, you can't just go do that. So, and I was like, well, I was living in a condo at the time. I, I can't just put it on my building. So Maybe I could do this, but I could just do a smaller scale version of it. So I just like sprung up, you know, out of my wallowing despair on my couch. I was just like eating, you know, snacks and watching TV. And I was just like, I can, I can make something out of my own junk. So um, I had a board downstairs in my basement and I was like gathering power tools and tape and glue. I didn't know what I would use. I was just like any means of fastening, any type of trash. I was grabbing everything from like old purses to straightening irons to cardboard, all this junk and just gathering it in my living room. And I was like, I'm going to make something out of all of this. And my roommate at the time came home and he was like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I'm making a deer. So I was like, over the next couple of days, I just built this blue deer. I, I painted it blue and I named it Yandu. And the reception that I got from that piece was just the kindest and most excited that I, I'd ever seen anyone over anything I'd ever made. And I got just this feeling of fulfillment and happiness and just like, the overwhelming excitement and joy from making it. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to be doing. Wow. And yeah. so there it was, it, you, you know, it's, it's before your eyes in three-dimensional form, like life-changing sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was a pivotal day for me. I like, I wish that I could go back and tell myself how important that was going to be. I, I never would have guessed at all. And you touched upon so many different things, you know, when, you know, being a Trader Joe's, you know, back a house artist working on signage, mm -hmm. then that corporate structure change. And all of a sudden, you know, your passions weren't being met or fulfilled. Yeah, and, absolutely. and that's, that's what seems like a lot of artists and creatives go through, mm -hmm. you know, so talk to me, those feelings of despair and that, you know, just like, you know, wallowing in that, right. That's, yeah. It seems like that's the seed of creativity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Why is this so common amongst creatives? In your um, opinion? Gosh, I don't know. I think, well, I don't know that it's necessarily common among all creatives, but I think any creative worth their salt, maybe. I mm. think that you need to, you need to have a certain amount of doubt in what you do um, to grow, to get better at what you do. Um, I know I there I go I go through like this roller coaster. I think probably once a week where I'm feeling like this is what I'm doing. I'm succeeding. I've got it. I'm I'm good. Like you got this. You got this stuff. You're great at what you do. Like it's excellent. Like keep it moving. And then and then like the next day I'll be like it's just imposter syndrome like you wouldn't mm. believe just like you don't know what you're doing you're fooling everybody 
you're not actually that great at this. It's all going to come crashing down. It's just, you know, it, it, it happens constantly, just this swing cycle all the way around. And I, like I said, I think that there's a, a certain amount of checks and balances that you have to have in order to be good at something. You need to, you need to kind of be reevaluating where you are and what you're doing if you want to grow. But I don't know, maybe it's the sensitivity among artists that makes us like, you know, crazy at times. I don't know. Maybe not crazy. And that might be the wrong word for it, but it certainly feels it sometimes. Right. Uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, it's common. It seems with a lot of folks that I've talked to and just, you know, not being, you know, an artist in the sense of, you know, creating trash sculpture, but like, you know, as a musician or like, yeah, yeah. you know, painters, like, I feel like you're right. It's like, it's like these roller coasters of emotions. And, you know, sometimes it's like, you look at others seemingly like, oh gosh, do they need constant validation? Like, why do I need it? Like, what's going on with me? But, you know, to your point, I think I appreciate how honest you are with yourself and with others that like you're going through these same feelings week to week even. Yeah, yeah, all the time. And, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily have it any other way. I think that if I started to feel like I I got it together and that, you know, it's solid and there's no change that needs to happen. And, you know, I'm just the goat, then, you know, that would, it would start to look like crap. I feel it would just start to fall apart. I would start to be too, you know, sure-footed in everything I do. I wouldn't second guess anything. And I think second guessing really does lead to growth. hundred percent agree with that. I, I think you hit the nail right on the head because then where's that growth going to be if we're just resting yeah. on our laurels, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta constantly, not that I really, I think one of the the biggest things too, some uh, advice if I'm, if I'm qualified to give it to anybody would be to make what you like and not necessarily what other people, what you think other people would like. But to that degree, I also do feel a certain amount of um, like, I, I take a certain amount of criticism and opinions seriously. Hmm. I think that you, you know, you need to be careful not to take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from, but, you know, at the same time, it's a good thing to have, you know, those checks and balances. Um, but yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that it, it's such a important part of the creative process to, to kind of, you know, second guess sometimes. How important do you feel self-care is and the role that self-care might play and maybe your inspiration? Oh, I think it's super important. I actually, um, I got back into trying to, you know, run, um, a little more recently, um, and having a regimen where I wake up every morning and I, I go for a run. I think that, you know, addressing your body and your mind in those ways is really beneficial to creativity in the long run, because I think it getting that out of the way and, and getting something, um, concrete accomplished early in my day makes me feel a little bit more on track to do more as my day progresses, which I think is, you know, cause there's days where I'll go downstairs. I work in my basement and, um, I'll, uh, I'll just kind of like sit in front of whatever I'm supposed to be making. And it's just not coming to me. 
And if I haven't done anything else with my day, if nothing comes to me, I just feel like I've wasted my day. Mm. And, you know, I'm just kind of like, well, now what a whole day's burned and ruined, but at least if I've, if I've run that morning and I've done a little bit of exercising, I don't feel like it's necessarily a waste of a day. It may not have gone the way that I wanted creatively, but at least I did something else. So just in a literal sense, I think that that part is really important for me. I've always been a pretty healthy eater. um, And I take in a lot of nourishing content. I listen to a lot of, you know, nice conversations and podcasts and stuff. So I think that's beneficial too. I listen to a lot of music. I, I take in, you know, art in various ways all the time, you know, music and all that. So I think that that's helpful. And it also kind of looking at other people's work and other people's art, I think is, you know, as long as you're not stealing directly is, is great for the creative process. It allows you to just kind of like feed off of their energies and their juices and kind of see what other people are doing. And sometimes that gets your own creative juices flowing. So I think all of those things um, to kind of go back to like the whole idea of like a, a, a mental health and a physical health is uh is good for creating right on i love that and like obviously like since we were kids and like now seeing kids in a newer generation you know we we hear about like how a lot of different art programs are being you know maybe pulled out of schools or maybe they have less funding and things like that like what, what are your feelings about that like how do you think we can get children you know into art uh and and all the benefits Oh, well, um, I mean, that's a great question. I don't know. It's the school thing really is such a bummer. I, I have quite a few friends who teach and it is a shame because um, I know that when I was in school, that was my favorite part of my day that, you know, going to, you know, the elective, like, you know, on these days we have music on these days, we have art and all that. And I'm sure like for the athletic and more kinetic kids, the gym, you know, all that the, you know, running around and getting exercise is important to them. So I think that, you know, trying to stay balanced and well, you need all of those things, you, you not just academia. So um, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that for me, I definitely did seek it out separate from school. Um, I have a twin sister and her and I were very interested in drawing at a young age. And I remember Um, My mother saying to me, I don't have any memory of it myself, but in kindergarten, she said that our teachers, I guess, went to her and said, um, your girls have, I think, a natural talent for drawing. Um, You know how most kids put um, when they do like a, a landscape, they'll bring the sky only so close to the ground and then they'll put a white line in between the sky and the ground. I guess my teacher thought that it was uh, interesting and, and, you know, uh, kind of telling that we would bring our sky all the way to the ground and we wouldn't leave that line there. So I guess that and a couple other things made her think that we had a, a natural gift for it. So she told my mother and my mother, thankfully, you know, cultivated that. And she, she gave us private lessons and, you know, she saw it as a, as a potential thing that we could grow with. So I think if you are a parent, that might be something to consider that, you know, just keep an eye out and make sure that you're allowing your kids any possible opportunities to try to cultivate something that they might enjoy when it comes to the arts. Um, You know, if they seem to really like painting or drawing or even, you know, like music or whatever it might be, um, make sure that you're making it available to them 
not necessarily forcing them to do it, but if they're interested, allowing them to explore it more. Yeah. I love that because like for, for children, you know, I mean, it seems like just as humans, we're, we're just like built to create. We're always yeah. wanting to, you know, make things tinker and just how, how different do you think your life would have been if you had never discovered art or have like been involved with art? I don't, honestly, I don't know. I think about that sometimes because I have, I have some friends and some people that I've known through the course of my life who I cannot think of like what they would necessarily say when they meet someone for the first time. Like what are their identifying characteristics? How do they present themselves? What do they say when they want to, you know, communicate who they are? Because for me, it's always been, uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm an artist. I have a twin sister. I have ginger hair. Like these things that I just like have just ingrained in my identity mm-hmm. that I just, I don't know what that would be if it wasn't, I'm a creative person. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just come with me my whole life. I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I don't, what, like, what does one say when they don't have, you know, like, is, do you just bring up like, I don't know, your favorite color. Like, like, what do you talk about when you don't have, when you don't have like a thing, you know what I mean? So totally. I, I really, I really don't know. Yeah. That's kind of hard to wrap our head around of like, when you identify with a, a certain piece of, or a large yeah. piece of who you are and your identity, like yeah. how do you translate that? Like, right. Like, like, and just truly too, it just, it gave me such a strong sense of self mm-hmm. as a kid. It just, it allowed me to just, you know, this is who I am. Not that you should be defined by what you do, but I, I was happy to be defined by that. Like it it made me proud, you know? So I I don't, I don't know what that would have looked like if I didn't have that. Right. I'm sure just like any creative, you know, um, the pushback, uh, from maybe friends or some family who knows, you know, saying like, you sure you want to go down this path, (laughs) you know, how, how, how often did that happen? Honestly, I've been pretty fortunate in that my parents were always really supportive. Um, you know, I think that the specifically the trash sculpting, I don't think anybody saw that as being a viable option for what I'm going to do until it was already happening. But um, when it was when it was brought to my parents that I initially I wasn't even going to be an art major. Initially, what I was going to do is being an English major. And I remember my mother thought that that was a good idea because I always, you know, had an interest in writing. And I think she saw more of a a future in that. I don't know if that's true, but I got that sense about it because my sister, um, being that we're twins and being that we went to school at the same time, she was going to go for the illustration major. And I was going to go for the, the writing for the English major. And the summer before orientation, I got a packet of stuff that I was supposed to discuss during orientation and she got nothing. And I was like, Oh, this is some bullshit. I was like, I'm going to switch over to being an art major. I'm not doing this. This is my summer before college. I'm not studying. So I just, in all, all at once, I just switched. Now that being said, it wouldn't have really mattered what I majored in because I don't think I've used my degree since I got it. So 
<laughs> whatever. But um, I do think that there might have been a little bit more of kind of like a few, like, okay, she's going to do something that I think that she can get um, a job in from my parents when I initially did want to be an English major, but they didn't say anything when I switched. So I don't know. They've been pretty supportive. They've always um, been really complimentary and proud, I think, of, of the work that I've done. So I've been really lucky in that sense. That's awesome. And, yeah. and I, I can, I can relate, you know, very supportive parents, you know, especially, if, yeah. you know, having a creative child and my brother's a creative person too, but I think it's so important, like having, you know, guardians or parental figures or positive you know, role models in your life that are going to yeah. cultivate what they see in you and those passions and fanning those flames. So I think you're right. You are very, very fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know that it would have mattered anyway, because I was so I was so very kind of down that road when I was on it, that I think even if I had gotten some resistance from them, I still probably would have gone the path. I would have been like, you can't tell me nothing. This is what I'm doing. But it, it's just it's nice that it, it didn't have to happen that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now now that you've been doing this for several years, you know, and like, are there some things now that you obviously we always wish we could go back in time and like tell ourselves some things or some, but are there things that you've learned along the way that you feel like have directly impacted your life and maybe even just who you are as a person and maybe how you view the world? Um, gosh, I think, well, for starters, I probably just would have done it sooner if I had it to do over again. I think that I stayed um, in a situation I was really unhappy in for way too long. It was to the point where, um, and I suppose this could probably answer that question to a degree as well. I think that um, I was in an unhappy state for so long that it was starting to change me. It was making me the worst version of myself. I didn't recognize the way that I was, you know, interacting with people just at the basic levels. I was just, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't fulfilled and I was stressed and, you know, it, that, that affected me on every level. So I think, like I said, I just would have done it sooner. And I think having gone through that and having, um, left a situation that made me that unhappy, I, I think it's pretty likely that I'll never be really in a situation like that again. I think that I'll be able to recognize all the signs that, you know, this is not for you. You need to move on. I think that's such a great point and valuable information for, for a lot of people, you know, I mean, I'm sure we all know a lot of folks and there's probably some people watching or listening that feel that exact way, feel stuck, you know, maybe not inspired. What, what gave you that, that just, what was the catalyst that gave you that, you know, faith to just take that leap? What was Honest, it? There, well, there was a lot of very specific things that, um, that really were upsetting to me. First of all, don't date anyone that you work with. That is a no-no. So, so part of that was, uh, I had an ex that I was working with and just seeing him all the time was making me miserable and the job was making me miserable and just like kind of the people that were surrounding me, just, it was a lot of feeling of like, no one's genuine. Just mm. I, I'm, I'm having a, it wasn't even, it wasn't even just 
the the work. It was all of the garbage that surrounded it. it, more socially, I think, than the actual work itself that really was the catalyst that pushed me. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for all those things, I probably could have just stuck it out. Thank goodness I didn't. Thank goodness I had all those things to push me because it ultimately worked out better that way. But all this garbage around it really did make it um, so that was just I was just done. I was just this is too much. This is sticky. This is upsetting. And you just the devil, you know, is sometimes easier than the devil you don't. So I think that's really what keeps people stuck in situations more often than not. Um, that, and, you know, if you've got kids, it's really hard to just up and quit a job. So luckily I didn't have a lot of strings attached where I was able to do that. Um, but it was just the push of just like, I can't be around these people anymore. I got to get out of here. I, I cannot report to a job where I'm seeing all these people every day. So, um, ultimately it was the people that pushed me out, I think. <laughs> right. And, and now, now you're thankful for them. Oh my God. So much. Like constantly, like not to name names, but I like go through it. I'm just like, thank God for, thank you for being an asshole. I appreciate it. (laughs) And it's amazing how that works. You know, we can go from feeling a certain level of energy towards an individual and how they're making us feel to then we realize we connect the dots later on that like every event seemingly plays an important role in where we're heading. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. Like I, I have such gratitude towards people that I absolutely hate it. <laughs> like not right. hate it. That's, no, that's I know a strong one. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, you know, and like people can relate that to, to, you know, different things, whether it's like, you know, you know, former partners, you know, yeah. and like toxic, you know, environments, relationships, jobs. And it, it again, it all like kind of builds up to give us that inspiration to take that leap of faith. So, yeah, absolutely. So have you noticed that there are a lot of people like coming out of the woodwork now that like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've always believed in you. I've always believed in you. And like, they weren't there. (laughs) They weren't there before. What, what's that feeling like? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I have any nice words or nice words. I I get like, it's, it's kind. Any, any kindness given towards me is appreciated, but I, I see you. I see you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't have to call you out. I don't have to say anything about it, but I mean, I see you. Right on. That's awesome. And I think it's a, a super well positive say. way of going about it too. Um, Cause it, you know, it, I, I feel like, you know, you want positive things to happen. You want positivity. Absolutely. Just put it out there. Do yes. You, just whatever you want, put that, and you'll, you'll get it back. Hopefully you'll get it back. It might take a little while, but I think eventually you will. Yeah. You know, depending on one's you know perspective, you know, if they, you know, if they're seeing the balance of things around them or if they, you know, whether it's someone subscribing to karmatic cycles, what have you, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And like, as a creative, do you find that you're just a natural problem solver and people might come to you for you know, either advice or things like that because you're creative minded and you're thinking outside the proverbial box? Oh, I'd like to think so. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to ask them. I don't know that necessarily. I, I mean, in general, I do find troubleshooting to be so gratifying. I love it. That's one of the things that I like so much about um, what I do with the trash sculpting is uh, just kind of the literal you know, spatially trying to like hold it up and see, okay, where on this, you know, we're on this 
in this depth should this be which plane of you know which plane am I working on right now? How do I get it there? How do I get it there without changing this about it? You know, like all the little nuances that happen in sculpture. Um, I really enjoy with this. And especially since it's not like, you know, if I just had a lump of clay, I could just truly mold it however I wanted, but you've got to use things that are already a certain shape to create other shapes. So I love that aspect of it. So perhaps that carries into other um, facets of my life. Maybe people recognize that and mm. appreciate that about me. I don't know. I never really thought about it. Right on. Yeah. I just, I like asking creative minded individuals, yeah. you know, their take on that, you know, and, yeah. and getting back to even just like you're saying, like, so from what my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you start with the idea in your mind already ahead of time. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. So, um, I would say the bulk of everything that I've made, I've made, I think over 170 pieces at this point and the lion's share of that was commissioned work. I don't really do commissions anymore, but because it was commissioned work, um, you know, let's say I've got a woman that's asked me to make her a lion. So I already have the idea you need to make a lion ahead of time. So it's just kind of, it's all built on a board. I don't do freestanding sculpture work. Um, not that I won't down the line, I, I, you know, I've considered it, but as it stands right now, the process that I go through, the board is really instrumental for how I physically build it. Um, and I also feel like since it's plastic and not metal, it would probably need some sort of armature inside it to keep from collapsing on itself or being so brittle. Um, so for now, they're all um, more like, a, you know, a, uh, a relief sculpture kind of mm. to a degree. Um, so I start with the board and I kind of sketch out the shape of kind of what animal usually it's going to be. Um, in this case, a lion, we'll call it for sake of example, um, sketch out the lion shape, and then I'll go about trying to find the pieces. So I, I, like I said, I work in my basement and I have basically a trash heap in my basement <laughs> of all plastics and stuff. Yeah. So, um, I'll just kind of like wander through this heap of junk and look for whatever piece seems like it would be appropriate for the thing that I'm working on at the moment. And if I'm not finding that, I'll just kind of like use my time to try to just be like, okay, well, this could probably be instrumental in doing the eyes later. This could probably work for the ears, sort of try to set those things aside for later, see if they're of use. And then it's really kind of usually you, you kind of look until you, until you solve that problem. Cause you can't really move on until you get to, you know, what you're working on, you get that out of the way. So it's kind of building out the face. Usually I like to get the eyes set in place if the eyes are not symmetrical, the whole thing will be off. So mm. putting those eyes in place and getting them where they're supposed to be um, set on the right plane is really important. So once that's done, the rest kind of feels a little more like gravy. Um, but it's it's just kind of a sifting and troubleshooting process from start to finish. Right on. So fascinating. Have you started with one thing and you're working on it specifically to be one type of animal and then you just change course has that ever happened yes <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, which is why I prefer not to do commissions. Well, gotcha. that, that and a lot of other things too. So if it's a commission, obviously I can't just change my mind. But um, I've been in the process of making a raccoon before and then just been like, the face shape looks more like a fox to me. And like, I'll bounce ideas off my sister all the time because she's an artist too. And we have like very similar brains since we're twins. So I'll like text her pictures a lot and be like, does this look like a what? And she'll just be like, no, I'm gonna. So we'll just kind of like sift through it a little bit I'll be like, you know what? I, I'm just going to change it. So I've done that a couple of times, specifically the raccoon into a fox was one that um, I did not that long ago, but um, I'm sure it's happened a couple other times or like sometimes it won't necessarily be a whole change of the animal. Sometimes it'll be like a color change mm. or um, I'll set out, out to make like a full body version of that animal. And then I'll change my mind and be like, you know what? Let's just do a bust. I feel like that would look a little bit better. It would be more dynamic or whatever it is. So. Um, I like the freedom to just change my mind if the creativity isn't where the initial idea was. If if it's going off course, I want to follow the course that it, it you know takes me down. Right on. And like, I know you, you mentioned the giant trash heap of, yeah. of, of plastic and things. And, you know, from my understanding too, like, you know, you have friends and family that will just donate some junk to you yeah. to use. Yeah. What's the, what's the most unique object that you've been donated or given to you and that you've used in, in a piece? Oh, gosh, that I've actually gotten that question a couple of times. And oh, I gosh. wish I, I no, wish I, I hadn't asked it now. It's well, no, it's because it's because every time it's asked to me, I'm like, God, I should spend more time thinking about this because this isn't the first time it's come up. But I have a hard time, I have a t- hard time coming up with something that really does feel super unique because all of it kind of feels wacky to me. It's just like, I mean, there's everything from like, you know, I get stuff from like baking pans, children's toys, basketballs, like all kinds, the most random stuff. It's just random stuff. It's like, if you were to just see a children's book of a trash heap and all the randomness that you would see drawn in that trash heap, that's basically what I have in the other room. So, um, you know, I, there was one woman that wanted to give me a whole piano and I was like, I cannot use a whole piano. I appreciate it. I did use the keys though. So right. that was, yeah. Um, which was hard because of, you know, how they're made. It's, I couldn't get a screw through it. So I had to glue it. Um, so I don't know stuff like that though. Oh, um, I used a cello once I used a violin, wow. um, musical instruments, especially if you can, like, it was in a, a chameleon that I made. And the violin was, so you could see kind of the scalloped edge of the violin in the belly of the chameleon, which I thought was really fun. Um, things like that. I like to do stuff like that if I can. Um, my intention is that when you look at it at first, you're just like, okay, that's a whatever animal. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of, you're like, what's wrong with it? Like, there's something off about it. And then you have to just kind of examine a little closer. And then you're like, oh, this is an assemblage of random junk. I would prefer that that's not really apparent right away and that you kind of get there over time. And then when you do realize what it is, then you can look closely and you could be like, okay, this is a toothbrush. That's a six pack cap. That's a, you know, Spider-Man action figure, you know, go through and just kind of like discern what these little things are right. when you look closely. Yeah. And it, you described exactly like what I did when I was looking at your artwork and I was like, you, you see if I saw for what it was, then you start like breaking it down. Like, oh, okay, well, those are spoon heads and, yeah. you know, this is like an old telephone wire or something. It looks like yeah. it. And like, so it is cool because then it like, it gives a whole new 
dimension to what the art is. And I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you've, you, you closed your books, you're not doing the commission stuff, but like what, where's the furthest that one of your pieces has traveled to your knowledge? Um, Japan. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Japan. I've, I've sent a piece to Germany. Okay. Um, we've discussed, like I've, I, I've been really fortunate to have a quite, quite a beautiful fan base in, um, Australia and the amount of money that it would take to ship to, I've, I've calculated, I've had people reach out to me saying that they want to purchase a piece and then the shipping ends up being more than the piece itself. And we just were like, I'm, they're just like, I'm sorry, I can't justify it. And I'm like, don't even try to like, I, I get it. I don't think I'd be able to justify it either. Do not apologize, you know? So shipping has been a, a schlep to say the least. It's probably <laughs> the worst part about selling art is shipping. Um, thankfully, if there's anyone who does um, need a little bit of uh, guidance on that, I don't know that I necessarily found the best way to go about it, but um, not that long ago, someone recommended Parcel Path to me, which has changed shipping quite a bit for me. Um, initially, I was going directly through UPS and their prices were so astronomical. Not that it's cheap now, but Parcel Path has made it less expensive. So if anyone's looking, I would recommend that. Awesome. Great tip. Great advice. We'll put them in the link below. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. And that's, yeah, because like I started thinking about that, like, especially with some of the bigger pieces, like, especially the one right behind you, that's like huge. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. And like, you know, obviously it's what, like building a crate and around this yes. thing and then just shipping it. Yes. So um, thankfully my boyfriend's really good with that kind of stuff. Um, he builds the majority of the crates that, um, good. you know, he and I need to ship out. Um, you know, it just, it, it's, every piece gets their own individual custom crate, um, which the price of lumber skyrocketed during yeah. COVID. So it just like that alone was ridiculous. And then you calculate the shipping rates, which, you know, everyone had to raise their rates because of COVID too. So um, yeah, it, it, it is expensive, but it's definitely cheaper than if I were to try to source that somewhere else. I've looked into like these white glove services for artists mm. for shipping art and it's crazy expensive. There's really not an excellent uh, alternative that I've found personally um, mm. anywhere. Like I said, parcel path is what I use, but at the same time, you're still using UPS and they kind of punt your package all the way to the door. So sometimes you know, things get damaged. I've been pretty lucky through okay. the course of my work that um, FedEx flat out lost a package once. But um, oh my gosh. yeah, I, I went through I went through the range of emotion with the several people that I had on the phone over the course of a month. I was like losing my mind angry and just trying to be sweet as pie. And then I was crying and then I was screaming. And I was just like, can I just get some answers? So I don't use FedEx anymore, but yeah. Um, yeah, so we custom make all these crates and, you know, I do my best to try to pack them as, as nicely as possible so there's no damage when they get there. Right on. And yeah. no sign of that lost package ever? 
No. Oh my God. I can't even. Thankfully they paid me out the money and the client was very, very understanding. He was like, yeah, he was just like, I get it. Like the problem though, the thing that upset me the most about it wasn't even the loss of the package. It's the first time I've ever missed a deadline. And it's because they lost the package. I was like, I, I, I pride myself on that too. I'm like, if I say I'm going to get it done by a time, I get it done and you will have it in hand by the time I say that you'll have it. it. That's very important to me. And it was for his partner's birthday and I had it all set to go and it was supposed to get there before her birthday. And then they just straight up lost it. But like I said, thankfully he was really supportive and really understanding. And I, I just made him another one, you know, we worked it out, but yeah. Oh, it was, wow. It was a shame. Yeah. Gosh. Luckily, you have a giant pile of trash in the other room. I you know. Can <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But that's uh, disheartening, I'm sure. And yeah. like, so like now, fast forward or actually reverse from this point in time. But like, did you ever expect to be in People Magazine? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Also, I didn't even know that People Magazine did things like that for artists. Like, Me neither. I, I've never been a magazine really reader. Mm. To be very fair, um, occasionally if I'll go to the beach or something, I'll pick up a magazine just because sure. it's an easy thing to thumb through when, you know, you're you're not really doing much. But no, never really a magazine reader. And then when they reached out to me, I remember like my sister, she's usually my sounding board. So I immediately texted her and I was like, I sent her a screenshot of the, the email. And she's like, that's fake. And I was like, I mean, probably. And she's like, hold on. So then like two seconds later, she was like, I Googled her. She definitely works for People Magazine. Let's look into it. I was like, okay. So um, like I kind of went down the road. I, I contacted them back and I said, like, yeah, I'm interested in hearing more. And when it all kind of became real and I was just like, wow, this really is a thing. No one's punking me. I was like, what the hell is, this is crazy. No way. And then I sat on it for like, I don't know, at least six months. And I didn't tell anyone. I was like trying not to tell my parents because I really wanted to surprise them. And then um, just the, you know, from the time that it printed to the time that I had it in hand, it was so quick. I I wasn't able to uh, do kind of the unveiling that I wanted for my parents, which was a bummer, but um, they were really excited. It was, it was, it was great. It was really sweet. Oh, Mazel Tov. That's amazing. The fact that like how rewarding that must have felt. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and the other things, this is such an aside, but I genuinely mean it. Um, I watch like, like, uh, these competition shows on like Netflix. So like glow up, do you know what that is? Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, and then every time something good happens to these people, I'm like weeping in my, on my couch. I'm just like, Oh my God, that's such a great opportunity. Good for you. I love it so much. It makes me so happy to watch other people succeed and get yes. like, their treat. I'm just like, yes, you get your stuff. Go girl. Get it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, true. I know. And it's like such a feel good moment. They've mm-hmm. got the right music playing and it's just like, Oh my I gosh. Oh, wow. I know. It's, I yeah. like, seriously, like it's, it's cheery moments every three seconds when I watch that show. I'm just like, yes. Yes. So accurate. Ah, mm-hmm. and then you get to have that moment. You get Yeah. Yes. Which yeah. Brings. Yeah. That's exactly. Oh. And it's cause it's cause I, I know what it's like to have that happen. I'm just like, Ah, so excited for you. That's so awesome. Well, I, yeah. I think there are many, I know there are many people who are excited for you and you've been working very hard at it and um, 
you know, it's not like, it's not like you've been snoozing and not doing anything. You've been working hard at it and chasing after it. And, uh, you know, kudos to you. Well, thank you. Well, where can folks find you on the internet? <clears throat> so I have basically all the social media. Um, I would definitely, um, insist and recommend going to my Instagram. If you're interested in my work at all. Um, I'm on there, um, at sugarfox underscore art. That is basically the thing that I've been putting my attention to from the beginning that if you go far enough back, that's like me as a Trader Joe's artist too, that has basically my complete portfolio. I also have a Facebook page, which is sugar Fox. Um, that one was made, I think it was last year. So it's not quite as complete. So that's why I say Instagram's better. And I'm terrible at updating my TikTok. I don't really like that platform at all. So right. I'm there. Please follow me. But honestly, I don't know that it's going to be worth your while. So Instagram's the place to go. Um, I also have a website, which is uh, sugarfox.net. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. Now I'm connecting the dots when you, when you mentioned the, the Trader Joe's signs. And I could be mistaken. Was there a Mitch Hetberg? sign yes. it yes. was okay yes oh my gosh amazing all right thank you yes thank it was, you it was about crackers if i'm not mistaken the tiny uh -huh. edible plates yes yes <laughs> awesome <laughs> thank you so much my boss did not get it he did not know who mitch hedberg was he did uh, not like it <laughs> oh my gosh all right well that was that was a gem so yeah now it's all making thank sense you. okay cool <laughs> wow. that's super rad thank uh you. so sometimes you know that's Sometimes that's what it means being an artist. You're ahead of the curve. You're ahead of your time. People don't get it, you know? I know. There was a handful of people that were like, oh my God. And I was like, yes. See, you know. <laughs> Only the cool kids. Yeah. The inner circle, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's well, awesome. Do you have any events that are coming up where like, you know, folks can come see you, maybe buy some art, anything like that? I don't. I would, if, if I do end up getting a show together, that will be something that I for sure uh, share on my social media, my website and all that. Um, I did a little thing not that long ago. It's lovely, lovely, but a problem that I don't have the inventory for a show. Gotcha. So basically as I make stuff, it tends to sell, which is an excellent problem to have, but it also makes it so I can't really... <laughs> I can't really put it anywhere. So, so if, if I end up with an inventory, I will absolutely do that. In which case, yes, I will share that for sure on my social media. That's awesome. Well, good. Well, I think we'll all be looking forward to that. And, and if you could, I mean, if you had to give some advice or maybe even reach out back to your own self, you know, Stephanie, eight years ago, seven years ago, like, what would you say? What would be the advice that you would give individuals? Um, well, I've said it already, but I genuinely mean it. Don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. I think that that is super important. It's good to listen to it at times, but be careful who you listen to it from. Um, and then also, I guess just, um, you know, even if something seems scary, if it, if it ultimately feels like the right thing to do, go down that path. Don't, don't be afraid to, you know, do things that are a little bit unsure. And there you have it. I absolutely love that conversation. My inner creative absolutely loves talking to other creative-minded individuals, just getting someone else's take because we all share a lot of similarities. So Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and your energy. You can find Stephanie on Instagram and I would absolutely implore each and every one of you to check out her amazing artwork and her installations at sugarfox underscore art on Instagram. And 
If you want to check out Stephanie's website, be sure to go to sugarfox.net. I think there were so many important things in there. So if you have a hope, if you have a dream, if you have aspirations, just follow your heart and your mind. It could be easier said than done 100%, but there's nothing more rewarding. And until next time, take care of one another and keep thinking for yourself.